I believe that's the Apostle Paul's heart, actually, as we turn our attention to the Word of God from Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. We see the Apostle Paul here in this beautiful petitionary prayer, giving thanks to the Lord for the church at Philippi, and doing so because of the remembrance of the testimony and the story of God's grace that he is weaving with this beautiful congregation. Very similar to the way in which he's weaving those stories in the life of our congregation together. And so with that in view, let's look together at these few verses. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we do believe that you are present with us. And that as we gather, assembled together, the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones from the world in relationship with you, you are pleased to abide in power with your people. Working your kingdom in and through our hearts, in and through this world. That the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ would one day be in all places, everywhere, covering the world as the waters cover the sea. Father, this little outpost of the work of your kingdom right here at Cornerstone is a beautiful sample of what it is you're doing all over the world. And Father, we long for the day when we can look out across this world and hear the reports and the, the news headlines that what is true and real right now, that you are on the throne, that your kingdom has come and is spreading, that the ultimate report in the new heavens and the new earth across the headlines that day will be there is not a square inch of this whole domain through which Christ Jesus is not declared king. Father, we long for that day and we press towards that day even now as we set our attention and affection towards this word, asking you to come and meet with us. Open up our hearts that we might believe the wonderful things from this, your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. It just so happens in God's kind providence that every Thanksgiving week we gather as a congregation to both share the stories that we have just shared together and to worship the Lord in His presence is also the day where we celebrate the anniversary of Cornerstone Presbyterian Church. It was November the 20th, 2011, where this church was received as a member congregation into the Presbyterian Church in America. 
We actually gathered that band of believers over at Christ Community Church just down the street, our grandmother church, with many of you even here in this room gathered in that space with a dear mentor of mine, Dr. George Grant, giving a charge and a teaching us alongside another mentor of mine, Dr. Scotty Smith, many of whom you know, speaking to us the words of truth, passing down the generation and the mantle of the work of ministry through those churches into our life as a congregation. It was a beautiful moment. And it's hard to believe seven years ago. In some ways, it seems like a long time ago. In some ways, it seems like yesterday. But as I noted in the pastoral notes this morning, in every way it's been an honor and a joy. And as I read this passage in Philippians chapter 1, 3 through 6, I couldn't help but just notice the fact that the Apostle Paul is thanking the Lord for a church. He's thanking the Lord for the church at Philippi, a church that has meant so much in the ministry of the Apostle Paul, a church that the Lord has used throughout history as a bearing witness of his gracious work in the gospel. And so it seemed appropriate to take just a few weeks, this week and next week, to consider what it means to truly give thanks to the Lord in such a season as this as God's people for the work of the church. This week we're focusing on what it means to remember God's faithfulness in the past as the foundation for giving thanks. And then next week we'll talk about how thanksgiving is actually a foundation for the hope in trusting for God's promises to be fulfilled in the future. I think thanksgiving in many ways is a pivot between the past and the future. As we look back to see God's faithfulness, we, we are filled with a heart of gratefulness which helps us cast our vision towards the future that tells us the God who's been faithful in the past will remain faithful into the future and so my heart this day gives thanks to the Lord. It's my heart and my prayer that that would be the song that you would sing this morning and next week as we faithfully submit ourselves to these few verses in Philippians chapter 1 and become a people who don't just mouth words of thanksgiving or make lists of things that we're thankful for, but we become people who live lives that are shot through with the grace of God in thanksgiving for what it is that He has done. Well, I want to look just briefly this morning for a few minutes at just one section in this verse, primarily verses Verse 3 of Philippians chapter 1, that little phrase, I thank my God every time I remember you. Because what we see in that phrase is actually the practice of thanksgiving. What it actually looks like. And in that practice of thanksgiving, we're given a pattern. A pattern for what Christian thanksgiving really looks like. And within that one little verse, we also get the reason, the reason for why it is we should all be eager to give thanks to our God. And so we're going to look just briefly at this practice of giving thanks, that pattern that's within that thanksgiving, and then the reason that's behind why all of us should be giving thanks this morning. And this practice, the Apostle Paul gives us, is actually an example of something that he does in almost every one of his letters. 
If you were a faithful reader of the Apostle Paul's letters in the New Testament, you know that I could have jumped down in Romans chapter 1 or 1st or 2nd Thessalonians chapter 1 or 1st Corinthians chapter 1, and I would have found a statement similar to this one. For instance, in Romans 1, he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being proclaimed throughout all the world. In Colossians 1, he says, we always thank God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. In 1 Thessalonians 1, he says, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And even that church at Corinth that I noted a second ago, a church that was having all kinds of issues and regularly going off the rails, believe it or not, the The Apostle Paul has a thanksgiving even for them. He says in verse 4 of chapter 1, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace that was given to you in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a drumbeat that we see in the writing of the Apostle Paul to train his churches, which he's caring for, which he's writing to, to in a sense eavesdrop on his prayers to overhear what it is that he's praying to God regarding them for the grace that's in them, for the growth that he sees in them, for the way that their faith is being proclaimed throughout all of the world. He wants them to know what it is that he sees in them. He wants to affirm the Lord's work in and through them, and he wants to give God the praise and the glory for it. You see, that's the pattern of thanksgiving that we see within this practice, this repetitive exercise of looking at a church or looking at a situation and asking, what is it that we can be thankful for that the Lord is doing in this? What is it that the Lord is, is showing to us? One of the things that Barbara mentioned in her testimony just a second ago was, I guess, something I had said at some point after one of those injuries. I don't remember which one, Barbara. 2012, so it's been a few years ago, where I said, I look forward to seeing what the Lord is going to do in and through this. You see, obviously, that's an exercise of faith to say something like that. As I think about my own life and experience, I look forward to the thanksgiving. I look forward to the days in which we're going to be able to look back on this suffering or this challenge or this difficult. We're going to be able to say, the Lord has wrought wonderful things in and through it. You see, the Apostle Paul does something very similar here. He says, I thank my God every time when I remember you. That's what he's thankful for. You, church at Philippi. You church, Cornerstone Presbyterian Church, I'm thankful for you because these are the stories that I see rising up within you. These are the evidences that the Spirit of God is moving in the midst of His church. I thank God for you. But notice, it's not just a focus on you. What's the focus of the thanksgiving? The focus is on God. I thank my God for you. I thank my God for you. Do you see, when the Apostle Paul thinks about what it is he's thankful for, he makes a very quick pivot to the who he is thankful to in the midst of what he is thankful for. He makes a quick pivot. I'm thankful to my God for you. Now listen, there's an incredible wisdom in this. 
There's an incredible wisdom to this. Do you know what is so often the case when we say, I'm really thankful for you. I'm thankful for all these things about you. I'm thankful for all these gifts uh, that I see in you. I'm thankful for all the things that you've done. What really often happens is is we begin to kind of swell with pride. When we, when we hear those kinds of affirmations, we hear those kind of, even if they're in, intended with full integrity, not to flatter, but just to bless and just to encourage, it's real easy for a sinful heart to hear those things and immediately well with pride. And so the Apostle Paul, with the wisdom and the grace of the gospel, says, listen, I want to say some things of affirmation about you, but know that I'm not talking about you at all. I'm talking about God. I'm talking about God in you. I'm talking about God through you. And I consider the testimonies we've heard this morning. And as I look out this morning, and I know so many stories in this room of what it is that the Lord has been doing. I say to you, I thank God for you. And when we say it that way, what are we actually emphasizing? We're emphasizing the exaltation and the glory of who God is. And we're also focusing on the humility that should be rightfully ours. For we know if there's any goodness at all bubbling out of us that we can't take any credit for it. In fact, that should be the default setting of your heart. If ever there is something positive coming out of your life and you actually stumbled into doing something good for a change, you should say, must be God. Must be God. Give credit where credit is due. That's what the Apostle Paul does here. I thank my God for you. Now see, that's the difference between a Christian form of thanksgiving and the world's way of giving thanks. You see how Paul is demarcating this. He's not just thankful for the stuff or for the things or or terminating upon the object that you're thankful for, but running up the pole of that thanksgiving to get to its very source To get to the very reason for why that we should be thankful from where those thanksgivings come from. And they ultimately come from exactly where James tells us that every good gift that comes from the heavenly places comes from the hand of God. It comes from the hand of God. One of the things that we do at the Sheridan household just to emphasize and get in the habit of uh, what it means to be thankful is we have... Uh, Every year done what we call the thankful tree at the Sheridan House. It's a little construction paper tree that goes on the wall with little construction paper leaves. And every night at dinner, we just write something that we're we're thankful for. And we go around the table and we, we give thanks to the Lord for what it is he's given. I was just looking last night at the tree. I mean, we have things like family game nights. We're thankful for family game nights. We're thankful for school. Uh, We're thankful for good coffee. Um, Nate is thankful for a good coffee. Um, Luke is thankful for his church. Uh, Knox is thankful for books. Rosalind is thankful for fuzzy socks. Um, we're thankful for all kinds of things. We could, we could li- there's, there's just dozens of leaves uh, there on the thankful tree. But I, I sit there and I thought, I'm thankful for family game nights. I'm thankful for the God who gave me a family of which to have game nights of which we can laugh and have the memories of his joy that are part of the enduring impact of his work in our lives together. See how different that is? Do you see how fundamentally different that is? 
One thing is terminating on the object of thanksgiving. The Christian runs it up the pole to the source of the thanksgiving and says, only God in his wisdom would give us laughter to enjoy the, the competition of a family game night or the softness of a fuzzy sock or the beautiful taste of the holy bean known as coffee. Whatever it is of reflecting behind the thing into the God who made the thing. Do you see how good he is that he has given us taste buds to enjoy the food of this season and to give us wool to be able to wear sweaters that will keep us warm in this season? You see, it's not just the sweater. It's the God with the wisdom of the maker of wool behind the sweater. That is the God who the Christian is constantly reflecting on in the midst of his thanksgiving. Do you see, when we're giving thanks, we're in the practice of thanksgiving, but we're in the pattern of running that thanksgiving always to God. But notice, in the context of this passage, that the primary focus of the thanksgiving that Paul gives in Philippians chapter 1 is that he is remembering the church and the work of God in the church. That's the primary focus of his thanksgiving. In fact, if you look there throughout uh, those first uh, few verses, verses 3 through 6, you actually see three different reasons for why it is that Paul is giving thanks in this text. But I just want to focus on that, that one. But the three reasons are this. He gives remembrance of the church at Philippi for, secondly, their partnership in the gospel, which we'll talk about next week. And then, thirdly, he's convinced that what God has already begun in the church at Philippi is going to bring it to completion. So he's thankful that he knows with hope and anticipation what's going to happen at the end because of what God's done in the past. But he's seen their partnership in the gospel and it encourages him. And we'll dig into that next week. But I want to just focus on this. I thank my God every time I remember you. Every time I remember you. Now... Bayer's asking when Paul raises this question here in verse 3, what is it that he would remember about the church of, of Philippi? If he, if he thanks God in every remembrance of the church of Philippi, what exactly comes to mind? What occurrences? What names? What faces? Well, we don't actually have to guess. If you have your Bibles, you might just look at Acts chapter 16 or take the Pew Bible and just... Just look at Acts chapter 16 for just a second. Just glance over the, the content of Acts chapter 16 because it's there where the Apostle Paul visits Philippi. It's there where the ministry of the work of God in Philippi begins through the preaching and the teaching of the Apostle Paul. And so he's been there. He, he knows the names. He knows the faces. He knows the stories. And it's in the context of Acts chapter 16 that we learn about the story of Lydia. The conversion story of this, this successful merchant woman, the seller of, of purple. Of how in her fabric business, as she, as she served the people at Philippi and gained a livelihood, that Paul, through his preaching and teaching ministry, she comes to know a value much greater than money. And she comes into an embrace of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're told that she's baptized along with her whole household as together they become the first recorded conversion in the church at Philippi in the book of Acts. 
We read of a difficult story. It's a glorious one and a difficult one, which is like most of our stories. When the Apostle Paul casts out a demon of a, of a girl there in Philippi who is demon-possessed, and she was coming along and harassing the Apostle Paul uh, in his ministry, and he finally rebukes the demon and calls him out. But, of course, that has negative effects. This woman, this girl who was a, a kind of um, a circus trick, that some used there in Philippi to draw others as, um, into watching her and into, into utilizing her for, for monetary gain have now had their pocketbooks hit. And so they, they complain about the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Paul's thrown into prison. And we think, oh, this mission in Philippi is not going well until we have the Philippian jailer story. And after the earthquake that happens there in Philippi and the, the doors of the jail all open up and the, the Philippian jailer is afraid that everybody has run and left, but they've all stayed. As Paul had been singing hymns and speaking of the gospel there, the Philippian jailer asked Paul, Paul, what does it mean to be saved? And the apostle Paul told him the gospel and there on the spot the Philippian jailer was saved. It's an incredible story of his ministry when he says, I remember you and I thank my God in every remembrance of you. He has real stories that he's telling. He has real names and real faces and real history for which the work of God was happening there in the midst of Philippi. And what that does is it tells us about how it is that we should be conducting ourselves in a spirit as a community that's meant to give thanks to the Lord. We should be a storytelling community that's saying, how has God been at work? What has he been doing? What has he brought us through? How has he shown forth his grace? Just in the context of this year, thinking of those who have come to know the Lord for the very first time. Those children who profess faith and come to the, to the Lord's Supper. Those baptisms that we've shared Sundays here at Cornerstone. For the new mission efforts and trips that have been taken. For the stories coming out of, of youth ministry, of conferences and retreats that are going. For the prayer team and the way in which they've been interceding at depths within our congregation, the likes of which we've never had quite experienced before, and many other testimonies that could be given just in the year of 2018. Those are the kinds of things that need to be unearthed so that we're pausing long enough, not simply moving on to the next thing, but pausing and rehearsing what has been the story of grace that God has been weaving here in the the church at Cornerstone. You see, this is why we're taking time next week on November the 25th to gather right here in the Sunday school hour because we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. 30 seconds, 45 seconds, whatever it is that the Lord lays on your heart. What has he been doing? Because in the hearing of thanksgivings, just a minute ago, was not your heart stirred and encouraged? Was, was not your soul pricked to say the Lord is among us? He's at work. Did you experience a little of what we see in the New Testament when the testimony of God is shared from his word and the lives of his people that a warmth of the presence of the Holy Spirit gathers with his people and you can experience it? 
One of the things that's rich about this passage that in fact becomes kind of a debate in the text of Philippians chapter 1, it's there in verse 3, is how to interpret verse 3. I mean, verse 3 reads quite simply in our in our bulletin, I thank my God every time I remember you, but the grammar is not as easy as it, as it looks. In, in fact, the, the grammar, some scholars would argue, leads to a, a reading that would be more along these lines. I thank my God for all your remembrance of me. It, it could be read, I thank my God every time I remember you. Or I thank my God for all your remembrances of me. Either one are actually fairly appropriate uh, grammatically. And there's a bit of an ambiguity and somewhat of a debate among scholars as to how to treat the dative and the genitive. Won't go down there. Won't go down that path. Don't get nervous. What's interesting about that is the the potential of of two interpretations of of this opening little phrase of thanksgiving actually gets to the very heart of where I think we we might appropriately say Paul's own heart is as he writes Philippians 1 chapter 3 because as he writes this letter, he writes from prison. This is one of the Apostle Paul's prison letters. And as he writes to the church at Philippi, we learn by chapter 4 in the book of Philippians that he has received a monetary gift from the church at at Philippi. They have cared for him. They have loved him. They They have remembered him. In the midst of his suffering, in the midst of his trial, they have not forgotten him. They have have remembered him. And so in a very real sense, it would make sense that the Apostle Paul would would say, I thank my God every time I remember you. And in a very real sense, also say, I thank my God for your remembrance of me. For every time I remember you, I remember that you remembered me. You see how powerful that is? Wasn't that the story of of Jim and Gary? Wasn't that the story of of Barbara Cheney a second ago? That every time we remember each other, what really strikes us to the heart is that in our remembrance of each other, we were remembered. We weren't forgotten. And the reason that's so important is that's the very heart of the gospel that we celebrate during the time of thanksgiving. It's not so much just the the thankfulness for each other in the context of the church and just the the running it up the the, the pole to, to God. It's the acknowledgement that we are not a forgotten people and that God has remembered us. Do you know what's most powerful about the Thanksgiving season is not that we can remember a few things of God's goodness and recount them to him for praise and forget the lion's share of everything he did this year. Do you know what? It'll be like a tight, like 2% is what you'll remember of all that God did this year. You know what's remarkable? That in all your forgetfulness, God never forgot you. In all of your forgetfulness of him, he never forgot you. He remembered you. He sustained you. He's cared for you. And he promises to bring to completion that which he has begun in you. This has been a hard year for many of us in this room. We're struggling, we're choking on on finding a way to be thankful as we come into the thankful season. The fact that you're here and sustained and persevering 
through the preserving grace of God who has promised to bring you through this year and to bring you into the eternity of which he has gone to prepare a place for you is the very foundation from which all thanksgiving begins. That he has remembered you and he has not forgotten you. Even in the moments where you have felt most forgotten. Do you remember the Apostle Peter? The Apostle Peter all excited at the end of Jesus' ministry as he's about to go to the cross saying he's going to be faithful. He's going to remain steadfast to the Lord. He's not going to fall. And the Lord says, actually, Satan has asked to sift you and it's going to go bad for you, Peter, for a period of time. But I want you to know this, Peter. In the moments of your denial of me, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. In the moments of your suffering, in the moments of your failure, I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. You know what may be the greatest miracle this morning? That you still believe. And you haven't given up your faith. Through all of the struggle and the question and the turmoil that you've gone through, you're still believing in Christ. And that is God at work in you. That is God at work in you. And so when you remember, remember that He has never forgotten. And that this day and always, He remembers you. Father in heaven, with your grace upon our hearts and this reflection of truth speaking into our reality, come and take it upon the wings of the Spirit as we remember you remembering us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his holy and precious name. Amen.